Sometimes the best way to understand our society and culture is to take a deep dive to find our peace of mind. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Peace of Mind, part of the Lost in the Groove podcast with our co-host Eli uh, with us today. So, an interesting conversation, shall we? Uh, religion, holidays, oh how we love those turkeys and roasted ham on Christmas, but sorry we're here to tell you the real truths about holidays. So buckle up, make sure your bongs are lit because mine is ready, as you can tell. And uh, (laughs) get your seltzer waters ready. Um, I don't know how to fucking begin this. So I'm going to be one of those people and pass the baton, the talking stick over to you. Hello to me and I'll stop. So, um, we were talking about who we were like, what should the what should the episode be this week? And no. so my partner so my partner and I were having a Thanksgiving thing this week. And the whole time they posted made a couple posts about it and we were like, we both just feel shitty doing a Thanksgiving celebration, especially my partner is like largely like uh, indigenous, like Native American. And so like we both were just like, This is like this is kind of sucks. Like we love making a bunch of food and we had like a friend over and we had like a little dinner and it was really cute, but it's like, we don't want to be part of reinforcing this narrative that Thanksgiving, like the first Thanksgiving was a good thing. We, it was like, you know, it was like the, you know, uh, with the pinnacle of like white colonization of Native American culture in the United States. And so it's like, why would we want to keep reinforcing that? So like next year we're going to like do a celebration, but we're going to call, you know, we're going to do the day after on indigenous people's day. Um, or sorry, it's not, that's not, that's inaccurate. It's not, it's, that's October 9th. We're going to do it the day after, which I guess is technically, but whatever. We're not doing it for the date. We're doing it for like, to make it something that's like acknowledging how fucked up Thanksgiving is, but also still celebrating with our friends because we love them. And we want to create something that's like a nice little community feel. But like, that was where I thought of this, this topic this week, because I was like, how do you, there's lots of things like this, but you also have like religious things, like more like, you know, uh, like Christmas or just like all, all the different things, all the different holidays that have potentially negative roots. Like how do you celebrate these things? Well, also because you want to celebrate with your family and friends, but also acknowledge uh, how pr- problematic and destructive they were when they started. So let me tell you a story. <clears throat> my mom is from New York. Uh, my mom's old school New York. My mom was, uh, is a baby boomer. And uh, in New York back in the fifties, when Christmas came along, you know, there nobody worked on Christmas and we as Jews, we didn't celebrate Christmas. We didn't, you know, and um, there, there was no place to eat. So the only places that were open were <laughs> Chinese restaurants. Well, that's so, like a thing in Chicago, too. That was like it was like the thing. It's like there's a thing. Jewish Christmas, like my one of my best friends. Parent, I mean, I grew up in an extremely Jewish like community and some of my closest friends, my first partner is like like, you know, was uh his dad was raised like not orthodox but like jewish and like they they used to do that on christmas they like have they'd have a combination of like the jewish christmas and the the regular it's a tradition i mean like every christmas like you ask a lot a lot of jews like we we do this shit we just we have chinese food and we watch elf or just a fucking just 
Christmas movie. And that's what we do on Christmas. That's that's, you know, and why am I saying this? Because like, it's such a great point of where we took something that was a holiday that already existed and we kind of made our own thing out of it. Um, there's no like religious ties or anything to it. It's just that it's become a staple where we as Jews, we eat fucking Chinese and watch a Christmas movie on Christmas. So there's a way, I think there is a way of like, I know this is just a silly example, but like there's a way of taking these holidays that have these bad roots and there can be positivity that can come out of it. Like for example, a Jewish Christmas, because they're giving back to the, they're giving back to the community on Christmas. Well, so I've always been part of like, as an adult, like, I mean, when I was a kid and a teenager, we would do like normal Thanksgiving, even though ever, you know, everyone knew it was fucked up, they'd still do it. But like, since I've been on my own, I've like almost every year, which is like, you know, for at this point, like what, 17, 18 years <laughs> of being solo, um, or like on my own, like, so we would have like, um, either I would host it or like a friend of mine would host it and I would go to it, but usually I would host like a... Today's podcast is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair, and discount pricing. These guys do great work, and their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida, in West Coral Springs, right off the Sample Road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954 798 one six zero two and book your spot now big friendsgiving sort of orphans thanksgiving or whatever where like whoever didn't have a place to go on thanksgiving would be able to come and hang out and like get a good meal and stuff and they were always really fun but they were also always done with the acknowledgement that like the holiday was like a not messed up thing like none of us were being like oh this holiday is so good we're so grateful you know we'd, we'd talk about gratitude but we'd also like talk about like the, the you know the root of this holiday is something that is based on like, you know, genocide and uh, colonialism, like, you know what I mean? So like we would, we would celebrate with our friends and we would give a safe space to anybody who didn't have that kind of community or love or whatever, but also be like, but we know this is still fucked up. And so what my partner and I are talking about- Yeah, doing, I know like, that feeling. Yeah, so my partner and I are talking about doing next year because we just felt like we love doing it, obviously. We love having friends over and cooking for them and stuff and like, you know, having the celebration, but we were like, we have to take it a step further though and just not even do it on the same day or just do it the next day because we want to have a bit of a separation from the day of it even though like we still want to do it you know so like like, something that like i've realized and especially when you speak to native american tribes um is the significance and you have to understand something the reason why not just the day the, the month itself november is very significant uh is because there were a lot of attacks against the Native Americans that happened in November, uh, especially diseases and um, killings and all this kind of stuff. But could you take Thanksgiving and kind of twist it around and say, okay, instead of celebrating Thanksgiving, why don't we take the day and celebrate Native American culture? You know, you, you, you twist it up. That's what we're doing next year. We're going to call it like, you know, like, like, 
Native American Appreciation Day or something like that. And like, we're going to do it with that, with that, like, with that in mind. And again, my partner is largely Native American. That was like, it was their idea. And like, um, I think it's a great idea because I like creating, you know, I like creating the community vibe and creating like a home space for friends who don't have something somewhere to go. But like, I also don't want to participate in the larger, um, you know, meaning of it, initial meaning of it. But yeah, I completely agree with that. So it's all about, it's all about finding the right approach because like, the thing is like, we said this in like at the beginning, like I was raised Jewish. I was raised with all these crazy holidays. <laughs> I'll be honest. There are a lot of them are really crazy. Um, there are a lot of holidays. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, just for starters, <laughs> there's, uh, there's Rosh Hashanah, there's Yom Kippur, there's Sukkot, uh, there's Hanukkah, uh, there's, there's Tubishvat, uh, there's Purim. I, I can just keep on going. Uh, there's uh, Shavuos, there's Pesach, there's it's a lot of holidays. The point I'm trying no to make is... No one can touch lights or electricity on Saturdays. No, we're... Uh, yeah, so uh, actually, this is a tradition of Jews. We actually, on Saturday, uh, we do not work. Uh, we're not allowed to drive. We can't cook. Um, to, that's what happens. The fabric district is closed on Saturday, so I can't get yeah. to the fabric in the fabric district. Yeah. The other half is Persian. Yeah. <laughs> and they're open still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um yeah, I mean like it, it it it's a weird experience because when you take yourself out of I like to call it a pattern because you know, we're raised as kids, like this is this is what we do on this and this and day, and and that's it. Like, you know, you've known that since you were a kid. Um but we're not asking to change history. We can't change history. Unfortunately, history has already been written. But can we change it in a way yeah. that that's beneficial or or positive? Well, like it's like reimagining it. It's like giving it a new life, new a new significance to it. Like I know what you mean about yeah. Like um, that's my add a little anecdote about. I, ra- I was raised in, I grew up, well, we moved like 1,400 hours down, but like the place I lived the longest stretch was in West Rogers Park, which is an extremely, extremely Orthodox Jewish neighborhood, among also a lot of other things. Also very Muslim, also a lot of like Korean Christians, also Nigerians, and like everybody else. It's Chicago, it's like very, anybody who's from Chicago and knows that part of the part of the city in the 90s, they're just like, oh my God, yeah, it's like, like international. It's very cool. But on our block specifically, it was extremely like Orthodox Jewish families and like Russian families. And we had um, this dormitory of like girls that were in like early college with like one TA or whatever that rented out the the unit that was underneath where we lived. We're on the third floor. And so they would have like, you know, they'd have like, uh, you have to turn the lights off um, before, I think, because Saturday's the day that you don't touch electricity or anything or like the stove. Yeah. And so I think it's like Friday at sundown, you have to turn all the lights you're going to turn off off. And any lines on that you can't, you know, that you need on, on. Well, so just letting you know uh, into a little secret, uh, this happened actually a long time ago. Uh, We actually use special type of timers uh, throughout our houses. And uh, we use them so that uh, that it'll turn on certain pots or certain, uh, we have hot plates to keep uh, food warm. This is before technology was super everywhere, though. This was, like, in, like, 1995. And so, like, the the kids would just come up and they would ask me, like, little, like, 10, 11-year-old me to come and, like, turn off their stove and electricity was really cute. 
<laughs> so I'd like hang out with them. They'd be like, thanks, thanks for doing that again. But like, there's a, it's a beautiful relationship. Like my mother was a Holocaust scholar, and she practiced like she never converted officially, but she like unofficially practiced Judaism for like a lot of the last like decade and a half of her life. Like when she was on hospice, she specifically asked for like the Jewish hospice work to work her because she was just very taken and like loved the religion. She's like the second person that actually the first person I knew, but the second person I actually like know as a whole who was like so in love with Judaism and spoke to them so they're like soul so strongly that they converted. Like I had this friend, uh, I'm not gonna say her name, but um I owe her a rat pole if she sees this. <laughs> but um she um she she like fell in love with the religion when we were like in middle school and like the rest of us are like, you know, fucking drawing like pictures of corn and backstreet boys and she's just like practice secretly practicing like uh the alphabet and like it was really cool, but like she eventually like she fell in love with it so much that like she converted from her very like orthodox uh Christian family that was like very against it. And it was very cool. I like to just see somebody like where it's like they're so young and they just fall in love with this belief system. And you so you also younger. you also again because you know our, our experiences with uh the community are, are very different. You know, you, you experience the community from being outside of it. I grew yeah. up inside of the community itself. Not only did I grow up in a mainly white Jewish community as a Sephardi, because a lot of people don't know this, there's actually two groups of Jews that exist today, which are Ashkenazi and Sephardi. And we are polar opposites. I mean, we come from Persia, Iraq. Uh, we come from Jordan, Israel, Syria, Lebanon, Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco, Greece. I mean, Turkey. Yeah. And I had to experience being segregated and adopting the beliefs and opinions of European Jews because my culture was seemed to be uh, too rational, especially the way that we did our holidays were. So this is another thing that's interesting, too, is we're, as Fardim, we have a different way of how we practice our holidays. Uh, we have different preparations. Uh, we may have uh, different types of prayers that we use, certain traditions. Like, for example, as Moroccans, we have certain traditions we do on certain holidays. And that's the thing, again, about holidays is we're, they are stories that are passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. And a really important part of my culture and my heritage is, you know, me as a Jew. I mean, I, th this is um, how I was raised as a kid. And like, even though I am secular, I, I, I'm not practicing by any standards, but I was raised that, you're proud of your family and your tradition. And I keep that identity and it's, it's very important to me, but that's the thing again, is where I use it as a positivity where I say, I don't want to practice the faith because it doesn't work in my life. It doesn't for me personally, it never worked. I never, I never connected with it by any standards. Um, yeah. but I am not ashamed. It's a very religion. I mean, it connects with a lot of people and doesn't connect with others. Like I have, I've, I've been on the 
like outside of it, but like just on the edge of the outside of it where I've been welcomed into it a lot. And like, for me, I was always like, oh, this is cool. I was never like, oh, I want to convert or like, this is something that speaks to me. But like for two people that I know, you know, on a personal level, like it was like, this is the thing. And so I feel like it speaks to the people that speaks to it and to the people it doesn't speak to. It's like either it's like this doesn't, this feels very, you know, it feels like something I don't want to do or, or I'm neutral about it. And like, I feel like, or, and then there's a lot of people to it as well, obviously. But, but I feel like they're, to the people it speaks to, it really speaks to them very loudly, you know? Well, that's the thing though. This is the problem. And this is why I've talked in this podcast um, many times about this is for the Jewish community, especially the Jewish cult community, because that's yeah. what it is. And I'm labeling it as it is. Uh, they like to look at one perspective and one perspective only, which is the extreme. Right. And they don't talk to us, Fardim. Never. They never have any conversations with us. They never have conversations with people that have open-minded opinions. This is going to blow people's minds away. There are hippies that live in the Jewish community. I know because I grew up with them. They are hippies. They're baby boomers. They were hippies in the 70s. They became religious, oh, yeah. and they're part of the community. And so that, was a lot of, that was a lot of my mom's friends because she was a baby yeah. boomer who lost a lot of Jewish people when she Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I, I exactly. The, the, them are, that was like, I grew up with those people as my, like, you know, like her, her best friends and stuff. Yeah, I completely But they're, they're, they're nothing. They are nothing compared to the more extreme parts like Satmer, um, well, no, so they're like they're reformed, right? That's what it's called, like reformed. Like, um, like that was I like or modern. Some of them, some of them are yeah. there. Some of them are reformed, and some of them are actually modern orthodox. But yeah, yeah. Like I like in the burner community. Like I mean, okay, like how you and I know each other. Like your brother, you know, I know you, I I know you because your brother's Burning Man camp, and like going to a party at his house uh, on New Year's Eve, you know, and like that's a that's an example of like where it's like. There can be people who are from the culture or whatever, where it's also they're still very open-minded and they go in these mind-expanding experiences. But um, I think it's like there's different facets of it, right? So there's like people who love it as a spiritual, like how there was like this huge like um, you know Kabbalah movement, and especially the, like in the like mid to late '90s among celebrities and like like uh, musicians and, and like actors and stuff in, in Hollywood. Whereas like there's aspects of the religion that are really really beautiful. I'm like because I was surrounded by it so much as a kid, like on a somewhat external way, I, through like here, just listening, you know, hearing my mom talk about it, hearing how her friends talk about it and like hearing her talk about like, you know, she, her, her main professor, her like main professor when she was uh, doing a degree in like Holocaust studies and like other stuff, like was uh, not orthodox, but he was like a little bit more, not like, um not, re not reform or modern, but like not orthodox. He was like sort of in the middle. Um, yeah. And like, so there's a lot of parts of it. Where and by the way, the in-between yeah. is called conservative. Yes. Yeah, so I, I almost said that, but I, like, I don't think it's the right word. No, it's, conser yeah. it's conservative. Yeah. yeah. I, that's why I thought what I, I should have said. It. I should have trust myself. <laughs> but like, there's parts of it that are very beautiful. But then there's parts of it. But the thing is also, I think probably for you growing up as like a queer person in the, in a, in the Orthodox community, it's got to be really fucking hard because like, as a goy, like, you know, blonde, blue eyed, like, 
you know, uh, Irish and Yugoslavian and German person who was like, whose mother was really into the religion. Everybody was like, oh, we love having you here. Everything you say is cool and interesting because I'm not part of the culture. I'm an outsider who's curious about the culture versus someone who's in the culture and expected to be part of the culture. So it's very different. It, it, uh, I recently heard this on a podcast. I'm not going to mention which podcast it is because I don't want to give any credit. Um, they were talking about this book that was called Hebrews to Negroes, uh, written by a man by the name of Ronald Dalton Jr. Uh, it was a book series, and then it was eventually made into a film in 2018. And he goes into extreme length to say that we stole, we stole the land from different groups that are part of the black community and israel yeah yeah Yeah. and you know to further state his um his opinion he um he said that we caused the uh slave trade in africa um interesting i I haven't heard that but i'm curious to hear more it it baffles me because just hearing this this anti-Semitic because it is it's pure anti it's pure anti-Semitism. Like when it comes to history, we stole the land of Israel from Canaan, which were Canaanites, were people who lived several thousand years ago. Okay, but so did the Egyptians, so did the Babylonians, so well, did the Persians. I mean, I mean, yeah. The thing is, everybody stole from everybody. Back yeah, exactly. Well, and that, that's kind of, this is, and this is the thing, like, looking at that kind of stuff through like, the modern lens, like, obviously I don't support, like, certain, like, I don't support colonialism and stuff, because I think that, like, like, but, like, when you're talking about people who are in the same region with, at the time, the same kind of power structures, fighting each other, it's, like, it's not necessarily, like, an overarching one with a lot of power versus an underdog. It's, like, two people that are the same sides fighting each other and one wins. And it's, it's very different. And I think that that is, like when we look at a lot of things through through lenses and back then, it's like it's like like I'm not talking again, I'm not talking about colonialism or like U.S. Or like like when there's like places that have like guns and ships and these superpower things, and then you have like a country that's using like more like hand tools and stuff like that. It's not fair whatsoever. But it's like if it's two people of, or like two two entities of the same power, like that's not the, the same thing as like one taking the other one over completely. Well, because it, it's the the understanding of we have advanced tremendously as a society, and back in those times, if you're not a part of our race, you don't matter, and we yes. are going to wipe you out. And we cannot again, like we we cannot erase our past, but to go to such lengths to say. You know, like they stole this. You have, like, in my opinion, I'm, I'm basically like, who gives a shit? Everybody fucking stole from each other for well, variety of stupid reasons. Like, how can you be a white American male? I'm assuming a white American male wrote it. Exactly. Like, how can you be okay with living in the U.S. And having like a house and a car and like a job? How can you be okay with like living in like the most like flagrantly like like colonialist society, one of the most in the world. How can you be okay with that and speak from that vantage point and then criticize Jewish people for stealing land a million years ago? Like, it's not, it's completely hypocritical. It is. Like, if you're like, if you're gonna critique like, like 
colonization on every one level. You have to, cr- to critique colonization on all levels. And it's it, not like you pick and choose which one you think is cool and which one you think isn't cool. It's the same. Because- it's, a, it's the same thing with um, the same thing with the whole thing with the slave trade. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who was a part of it. You know what? I'm going to go even further. Take the Germans. Okay. You want to blame all the Germans for for World War II? You can fucking go ahead and do that. You know something? I have a beautiful tattoo that's on my arm right now. Okay. That was done by a German artist. She's a wonderful woman. She gave me a fantastic tattoo. And she's a beautiful person. I don't I don't give a fuck about her history and her shit in Nazi well, Germany. Them, a lot of them left or like fought against the Nazis as well. Like my so like my dad's my dad's late mother was um <laughs> was born in Germany and like I think lived there until she was like like it, I think it was in between the world wars, but they were like her family was like, we do not support what's going on here. We get the fuck out of here. So they came to Chicago. Like, like to persecute. The thing I'm saying is to persecute people because once at a time, Germany was, was Nazi Germany. Yeah. It's not fair. You can't persecute old German people today because their country was full of you fascists. Old people who were involved in the Nazis. Of course. Like, of like, course, Brando. Like, no, you can't. And I, but I, I do think that here's the thing. I do think, and this is where I like, <laughs> like fully support. Um, this is where I like fully support the movement right now that's happening in the sort of like more like woke leftist like communities of like. <laughs> I don't mean that in a critical way. I'm just trying to like categorize it for people that are listening. Like in terms of, like the more radical and like radically minded, like especially like uh, Gen Z and like some millennials and like the younger generations and stuff communities of like holding white people accountable for like white privilege and also like colonialism and colonization in the u.s i think is fucking brilliant i think we absolutely should be doing that because like i think that like and this is my perspective on it a lot of people i mean a lot of people don't necessarily have this perspective like like who are white people because i feel like they're like well i didn't do it and it's like well no you didn't do it but at the same time you're reaping the benefits of the people that did that had the same skin color as you so whether or not you like it you actually are born with this privilege that like put elevates you higher than somebody else like the struggles that i had would have been exponentially more difficult if i'd been born with like you know darker skin because don't need- the world <clears throat> you see, be, you see though look like me okay and, but- and, and i have to and i'm going to acknowledge that i'm not going to be like oh i was great you know whatever i think but I'm also going to, I'm going to call out the fact that I unintentionally like benefit from like how culture sees me. I mean, okay. So <laughs> I, I think this is where like opinions kind of differ because my philosophy when it comes to woke ideology is where I don't believe there is, a, there's any kind of thing as privilege yet in practice because what we have done is was we've created this idea of privilege that exists because a race of people no offense i am part white um has caused a lot of havoc on this planet a lot an immense amount of havoc um but there are other groups of people that are non-white that have caused an immense amount of havoc for a very long period of time if you lived in a country where the other overarching group of people was a person people with darker skin, they would have the highest privilege in terms of where we are, because they're the ones that are the ruling, like the, you know, the, like the ones that are seen as like the higher, you know, higher up <laughs> in the United States, it's white people. 
and like not necessarily obviously if you go into like, different communities if you go into like more latino communities they're gonna be able to fucking like you know target on your back if, if you're like well not i don't know i feel totally fine but like if you're like a white like like yuppie looking white dude in the hood like <laughs> everyone's gonna be like fuck are you? so like it's not like it's everywhere but it's like it's like there are absolutely privileges that happen um privileges that exist because the system is created oh for, i know like, succeed more I, easily I, I, for color. trust <laughs> so, me like, i i know i, I know this acknowledge that like i think I, I i don't think like here's the thing you can't help being born in, and also so socioeconomic privilege too which often goes hand in hand with uh with like like cultural and like racial and religious privilege as well but you can't like not be white suddenly like you know what i mean but you can't acknowledge that it's it's a thing and like i think that's where like you know, kind of like to bring this whole thing back to what we were talking about in the beginning, I think like th- that's sort of part of that where it's like you can't change your skin color and be like, oh, I denounce this because I think it's morally wrong. <laughs> but you can use your skin color as a pla- like as or like you can use your privilege as a way to discuss how your privilege exists and to call it out and to help other people understand that whether or not they want to believe it, it's still there. Like whether or not they look at it, but it still exists. I mean, like, if you want to put that in perspective, there are people that would tell me that, you know, I can pull the white card and, well, I can't pull the white card because I don't, I don't, I don't look like a a white person from the get-go. Every single fucking person thinks I'm Latin, which I ain't. I'm Middle Eastern. Um, But I understand that. You're white or like, okay, so like, and the same thing with like like my partner doesn't read as like specifically white, but is like you know largely like Native American, but doesn't look Native American enough to look like completely you know it kind of looks like a like a mix of things. But at the same time, they are still treated better by like you know like certain ilks of white people than somebody who would look, look like them and had darker skin would be treated. So it's like you don't look white, but you still you do benefit from white privilege in the sense that. Like you be based purely on like how the world looks at you. I've never experienced white <laughs> privilege before in my entire life, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, like not like compared to no. like, like if you're um, if you're at a party and like the cops come, they're probably not going to profile you before a black friend of yours. I've I've been profiled as as an Hispanic by cops several times. So and yeah ask me for papers and shit oh yeah that's happened oh, really? yeah oh yeah i don't the thing about me like i'm not trying to be a racist person my demographic people i hang around with are primarily mixed i i just yeah. i mean like i have a few of my close friends that are um that are white but like i <laughs> this shit drives the fucking like crap out of me because i'm like I actually enjoy having a diverse around a diverse amount of people around me because it's kind of nice. You get to, you know, different cultures and different foods and different experiences and different words and stuff. I, 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 I cannot understand living my life with one race of people. I I, I, I know that may seem so narrow-minded, but I, I, I don't know. I cannot live my life if I just have only one race of people I see every single day. I think I would go out of my mind. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I can't imagine it either. <clears throat> I didn't grow up like that. Like, and I never, like, yeah, I, I've never lived like that in my life. Um, 
I think it would be really boring. Also, like, I don't. Oh, yeah, like, big time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, being, you know, growing up like a poor white person raised by artists does not make you really fit into the most white demographics in general. So I still have nothing to talk to them about. <laughs> like, largely, like, 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 but I, yeah. I try like to separate. Class, like, <clears throat> I, I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm no person of innocence. <clears throat> I've made mistakes before. And I have a good friend of mine. <clears throat> we had him on the, uh, <clears throat> we've done some podcast episodes. <clears throat> His name is JC. And JC is this indigenous Ecuadorian. He's a big, tall guy. And he's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. And he can give off that exterior, that, you know, exterior of being like a mafia boss. You know, because he likes to dress well. Um, but he's the kind of guy, like, once you start to get to know him, he's just... I just, like, want to give him a hug. Like, I, I, I always tell him this, like, like I just want to give him a hug. Um, I have a friend like that, too. And he one time, he was, like, legitimately wearing, like, a white linen outfit to go on a party on a yacht. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> They dress well, though. The ones they like, it, it, I love it, though. But, like, that's the thing, for example, like, in my life, which is so important, is try to push away this idea of race and actually, like, look at the person for who they are. You know, if you want to judge people all the time for doing crimes because they live in a certain community, well, guess what, honey? Some of us don't have a lot of money. <laughs> and some yeah. of us. But also, so, like, you're talking about crimes. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's like ethical. Like, look at how, like, most like CEOs of like corporate businesses run things. Look at how, like, bosses at like shitty, shitty companies treat their employees. Yeah. That's criminal, but it's not, but because they're like rich, white, powerful men, they, it's not, they're not taken to account for it. Like, no, and then unfortunately, like, tons of black. Tons of black Americans are being put into yeah. prison because of cannabis for 30, 40 fucking years. Well, that's changing now, but yeah, exactly. I think they should get it's like, ridiculous. It's so fucking insane. And like, especially like, I mean, I that's always been like the worst. Yeah. And, but like, they're allowed, you know, but pharmacies are allowed to like, you know, like give out things that are like, you know, one molecule different, like different from methamphetamine to children. Like, I mean, I also have ADHD and take Adderall, but I also recognize what it is. Like, you know, it's like, it's not like, I'm not going to say it's not a drug. It's definitely a drug. It's just one that helps you function. Like, but the fact that that's acceptable and then like weed is not acceptable is insane. But, uh, but you, you, you forgot about Vicodin. Oh, yeah. Vicodin, all of the heroin. Yeah, it's heroin. Oh, well, and uh, uh, the whole opiate family. Yeah, I've, I've had Vicodin and I've had because like I had uh, I had wisdom. To, it's crazy. I've had Vicodin, I think, three or four times in my life. And I say this because like when you get Vicodin, it's like it's major. OK, like, the you know, the dentist ain't doing like a little like it, this is major work that they're doing. And that's how I first had Vicodin. I used to take it recreationally. <laughs> like in high school. Not like I never had a problem with everything, but I had a 
bad. But you know that you know that high that I'm talking about. Like it just. I love that. I love. Oh, I love, it's, it's amazing. Fucking tramadol. You ever had? I got that in Tijuana. Once. Yeah, ha- yeah, yeah tramadol. I, like I only got like one, one. Yeah, like it was a big bottle. But like yeah, I used to take it and I sell it. So not like I mean, it's not not just my friends, not like a real way. But when I was over, I was like, I probably shouldn't go get more of that in Tijuana. I think that's dangerous for me. I I, I just I, I love the direction of like you go from holidays to religion and then faith and this is what fucking happens when you're part of the faith you just want to do fucking pills you know and and, and vicodin you know like behind oh, the school it. fence huh no i do want to hear my vicodin story this is really funny so i had a friend who like uh, i don't know exactly how he would get vicodin he was just very peculiar human being and there, there's said, ways of getting vicodin from his knee injury that it was debatable and then he also said that it was from his dad which was also debatable so i don't really know how but his family was rich and his parents his dad and i are still friends like we're like the, the family like we all kind of like grew up with each other so like i'm like okay this is but we were in the same public school and like um they also like he also like made up a lot of there are lots of things that were like I don't believe this, but I'm going to go along with the story. Um, and this was one of those things. I have no idea where they got like a fucking fistful of Vicodin. But so me and my friend, we, well, the three of us were in theater tech. And like, I really wanted to be in, like, it's a long story, but I ended up having like uh, my high school, it was not like a private school or anything, but it was a magnet school. And we had like some really dope programs. And one of them was like, we had like an arts program, which I missed, the, I unfortunately missed the first year of doing. So I couldn't join it late, which is fucking bullshit, I think. But anyway, um, lane tech. Um, but we had ended up in the theater tech thing with two, like two of my really close friends. And we were like, all like the total, like, this is like fucking lame, but this is like better than the other shit the school's offering. And there were the kids that were like, we love Glee and we love, you know, all this other stuff. And we love Disney. And like, it was like, so you had the kids that were like, like musical theater kids. And then you had like fucking assholes in the corner, like doing drugs. And so like, the kid at the bike would be like, you guys, like, not even stuff, like, he was just like, do you guys want some more And so me and my friend, who were just, like, like the Daria and Jane of that class, were just like, yeah, sure. So, like, every day for, like, a month, like, my, I think it was junior year, like, I was just, from, like, between, like, second and third class, I would just get high as balls before my English, my English lit class, and I was just, like, you know, analyze, can move. It was really great. <laughs> I had, a really, I had a really good high school experience. A lot of people did not. I was not like um. I mean, I was living like in like a death metal band, and like I was like living like an adult. Um, I was living yeah. like I was in my twenties actively when I was like sixteen years old. So I, I had a lot of fun. I don't know my home life, but like like in high school itself, it was very fun to you know be like. Oh, it, it, it's just kind of like it, it, it's kind of just. <laughs> It's just kind of like a, it's kind of just a strange, strange shift, especially like here and just kind of like just the shit that's like just been going on for like the past couple of years. We're I'm, I'm getting to the point, just the marijuana. <laughs> you, you brain works a little slower, honey. We're dealing with we're we're dealing with dial up. We're dealing with a 95 Dell Spiron. You're, you're I, and I take prescribed Adderall, so we're like on opposite ends of the brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, honey. I, I've been stoned <laughs> since 2018, and I'm going to keep it that way. Uh, <laughs> um, But I mean, like, we, we've seen the problems of the past, and we acknowledge them, but we tend... See, th- this is where I... 
the the this is the, the term where conservative kind of falls into a little bit of a problem. You have traditional conservatism, and then you have progressive conservatism. Yeah. And the problem with traditional conservatism is is that you're holding on to traditions and values that have already been proven to be different. When I say different, I mean this was a holiday of genocide and manslaughter, not yeah. of cheer and celebration. Well, no, and it was also like, it was like, you know, the pilgrims were like, we're starving. And the Americans were like, let's have, we'll get you some food. And they're like, cool, now here's blank infection with smallpox. Like, they saw the charity, even though they needed the charity, they saw the charity as a weakness. And they saw it as, a, you know, like, it was like, oh, these people are trusting, let's take advantage of that. Like, and that was like, you know, that's where this holiday comes from. But it's this whole story of how, like, New Americans and Pilgrims have been there together for the first time. Like, do you know why the Balls of Buffalo are, are, are uh, wiped out? What? Like, you know, like, why? Do you know why the Buffalo are wiped out in this country? Yes. Like, do you know, like, okay. It's because of hunting. Well, no, yes, yes, but not really, not, not, not entirely. So, I mean, yes, it was from hunting, but do you know why they were hunting the buffalo specifically? Well, I know from one tribe that they, she came on and she said that they, um, they purposely hunted the buffalo to extinction so that the Native Americans uh, wouldn't have yes. any buffalo. Because and... there were, there tribes that were like exclusively like followed the buffalo and their entire life was the buffalo and they would like hunt them make the meat they eat the meat make the stew use the bones use the, the uh, skins it's like teepee um stuff fabric just every single piece of the animal and that was their entire existence and they were a tribe that literally followed the buffalo and like that and so the the white people came and they realized that if they killed the buffalo they completely um like eliminate that tribe's ability to support to like survive support themselves and so then they they were they become dependent on the white people and that's how they were able to like tame them it was super fucked up but it wasn't just like hunting like normal hunting it was hunting specifically with the with the aim to eliminate those tribes people by starving them to death it's just a reminder that no (laughs) no start of an empire is pretty you know, the empire of America, which, which exists now, only exists because of all the, the, the bloodshed and, and, and destruction and literal change of landscape over 200 odd years. Um, we, 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 we can't change that. I mean, we live in the world that we live now where we can't like tell everybody, all right, give us all your electricity and your electronics. I'll go live in the woods with the bears. No one, no one's fucking do that, doing that. We can make it better for them. Like, yes, we, we can. Streams are not saying like, oh, white people need to go like live off the land and like not have anything because their, their, their ancestors did these terrible things. But it's also not putting Native American people in limited space, you know, in, in reservations where like poverty is like insane and like food resources are bad and there's no, and there's no like, you know, work opportunities. And there's, it's just like being trapped. Like it's not, it's, it's putting that, it's like, it's, those are not the only two options. Uh, I don't think this will ever happen, unfortunately. 
but the dream is is that Oklahoma is given back to its rightful people because yeah. I, I I'm not I know there's a lot of people who live in Oklahoma, but it's Native American land. Have you ever looked at a map of Oklahoma? It's Native American land. That's where my partner's from originally, from Oklahoma. Yeah. So like he know like he knows this and I don't know. Saturn grew up going to like with their grandmother, um, who was um uh, Mac and uh going to like before like Saturn was living in like uh group homes and stuff. There was a period where they lived with their grandparents, uh like up until thirteen. And like so Saturn like grew up like going to um powwows and stuff and making beads and selling them with their grandmother and stuff. Like very much knows about their culture and like and yeah, it's like it's a it's a beautiful and vibrant culture, but it's also like surrounded by all this like you know the rest of, by Oklahoma. <laughs> it's like those parts of it are really cool, but the rest of it is like what you think of when like it's it's conservative white people. So I think like the I think like the important thing is is like instead of looking at the holiday as a tradition, what can you take from the holiday and adopt to modern society? Well, yeah, that's why I always do a Friendsgiving because it's like it, it's creating a sense of family and community for uh, as somebody who had a very troubled upbringing and like, you know, was, was raised by very, pretty problematic people. It was always a pretty like a pretty uh, on holidays were very there's lots of screaming <laughs> every holiday, lots of anger, lots of manipulation and like sometimes things are they're destroyed or whatever so like you know how do you recreate that because that's something like when you grow up in that your whole life basically when you're raised in an abusive home your entire life for the first like you know 10 15 years of being on your own really and like for some people it's the whole, whole lives is trying to figure out how to undo the damage that raised you and understand what parts are good and keep what parts to completely eradicate from yourself and i think that that's can do with a lot of these problematic holidays as well just treat it like an abusive relationship right like it's not your fault that you were in it but you were still in it and you have some damage from it and you have to figure out how you, what what was not bad that you can keep within it that you learned and what you should just separate yourself from because it's toxic and it's and it's can, it hurts everybody so i think that looking at the holidays like that like yeah. that you know and so it's like creating a a friendsgiving something like that or now we're going to you know celebrate it in Native American remembrance, whatever, but like, like doing something that's like, you're still creating the, the community and like the home aspect and the support for people who might be ostracized from their families or their families, they've just separated themselves from because they're destructive or their families are dead or whatever. Like now you have a place to go on this holiday. So you don't feel alone. It's weird though. Cause like, I mean, I've been out of, I've been out of the faith for about six years and, uh, I don't remember when the holidays are, but when they are, I don't remember. I don't remember when they are. Uh, I'll get reminded here and there, like because I have religious family. Um, but the oddest thing to me is, is that like, I remember each. I remember each part. Okay, this is like the this, this is like where the 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 trauma shit comes in. Is where I can remember Pesach. Okay, I can do a Pesach right now. I know how to do it. Okay, and I haven't done that shit in like. like I mean, I've I've gone to Pesach seders in the past few years, but like, I haven't like practiced it as a part of my life for a very long period. And I'm just saying, like, another approach is just 
completely ignoring it. I'm not necessarily saying that's the best approach, but sometimes as a person, the only way to heal is to move past it and say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's true for sure. But I think there are people that want to have nothing to do with these things. And then there are people who really want to want, have want to, yeah. And so I think that if you feel like you want to separate yourself from something that hurt you, that's totally cool. But if you feel like you want to still embrace it, but make it better and make it no longer the harmful thing that it started as, I think that's also good. And I think that like the people who don't want it, like there are lots of people I know who are kind of like, you know, uh, like, cynical about holidays as a whole and they're just like oh i don't care whatever and i was like that's cool that's not really how i feel way, though no yeah no totally. i'm like that's not but that's not like for me that's not how i feel about them so it's like for me i like the idea of celebrating with people but i saw like celebrating with chosen family and creating a space where there's like no drama it's just all like love and celebration and fun and food and like niceness with everybody and creating a safe and happy space where they can just be their fucking weirdo selves yeah i mean like i met um i met a a a gay couple a couple years ago and they were they were both religious they were both religious jews and i thought that was so amazing because like so (laughs) you know anything about orthodox jews uh they don't like gays they don't like lesbians they fucking don't like trans people at all um and it's it's horrible uh but that's like, or it's not like reformed though, right? No, no, no. So like, if you're in the Orthodox community and you're part of the queer community mm-hmm. at all, you're yeah. fucked. You're, you're you're fucked. Like, you, that's, like every, most major, that's most major religions, though. Like, um, the conservative of any religion, like not maybe not every religion, but the conservative of the majority of mainstream religions that we know about and talk about all the time. If you're Jew, if you're gay or queer or anything, you're you know, if you're not going to hell because you don't believe in hell, you're still like not seen as a, a productive part. Well, yeah, that that there's actually a, a, a story because hell actually does not exist in Judaism. Um, we no. actually no, we actually believe in a process of the soul being cleansed, but that's a it's a very deep conversation. I agree with uh, that. I've experienced certain lot of things in my reincarnation experience, like when I've gone into the astral realm. Yes. Yes. I've also- um, but the reason why I was bringing this up was, is you have people that are queer, whether trans, lesbian, gay, or whatever, um, whatever, whatever way that you identify and they want to be, uh, practicing, you know, Christianity or Islam or Judaism or whatever, whatever the faith is. And why why can't they? They should have every right to. I mean, if they want to be religious and they believe in God and that's their faith. Yes. Well, I mean, you can say the same thing about Christianity, though. Like, you know, if somebody's born into like a Baptist church or something, for example, where they don't support any part of the queer community and that person still wants to be a practicing Baptist or whatever, they're not allowed to. Like, and a lot of, like, that's the whole thing. It's like a lot of, religions that have that that keep that kind of archaic structure to them like the olden days kind of structures to them like they are like that it's not just judaism judaism is one of all of many because in some places they're still like stoned to death for being queer mm-hmm. 
like and like it's yeah. not that's just religion i think i don't think that's jewish judaism specific that's just no, 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 no no i'm just saying like from my own my own faith because because I, I experienced it yeah. in person well i grew up in a in a grade school that had 22 different languages it's like kids from all over the world and then my high school had like 52 percent latino and then also the rest of it was like everybody else in the world like i grew up with lots of kids who had families that were traditional from all different countries and i think that that is something that's an extremely common thing is like where you have to hide who you are from your family or you're going to get ostracized from your family and it's extremely unfortunate but like it happens with like muslim kids it happens with christian kids it happens with people who are just you know traditional like from certain parts of like you know like uh the Middle East or like parts of like, you know, different countries in Africa and stuff like where it's just, you know, they, families hold on to these traditional, like archaic masculine and feminine roles and social structures and strata and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, if you deviate from that, you're seen as like, you're seen as like this, like a young troublemaker, basically. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, 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 again, I, I can speak on this firsthand because, you know, I mean, my parents were interracial and um, that they may like seem like, okay, cool. Yeah. When you're in a community like I was raised in to be having interracial parents on, um, it doesn't bode very well for a lot of people. And um, a lot of people did not, did not like my father because of, you know, because of, you know, he wasn't, wasn't one of them. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, you know, I, I hear you. Uh, I, I just like, I feel like, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of kids in this country know exactly what I'm talking about yes. and not just growing up like in, you know, like with Christian or Muslim homes, um, or, you know, in general, just, you know, even if, for example, I, I've known kids from Indian homes, you yes. know, with just this. Also, Asian homes, this whole thing where they have to become doctors and lawyers, this like indoctrination where they come to this country and they have to. And like, I remember one person I spoke with, like she. The first generation kid, and the parents do some sort of yeah. work. Like, we saved all this money so that you can become a lawyer and doctor so they can become a playwright. Don't know. Like, I totally like. <laughs> no, so I had, I had this uh, friend, she was Korean, and she's very, um, she's very, she's very successful as. Um, I forgot what she does. She does nails and she does, she does something else, but she's very successful at what she does. Very successful. But like her parents still hate her because she didn't go to school to become a doctor. And she just like told me, she's like, look, she's like, I'm not angry at them. She's like, I understand them. She's like, they just need time to cool off. And I was like, what? What do you mean they need time to cool off? You see, like, these are things, like, I can't understand because I didn't grow up in her culture. I and understand. I, there was a lot of my friends. Like, I had specifically had, like, I think like, one friend I grew up who, who grew up, she was from Pakistan. She was Muslim. Her family was, like, very strict, very, you know, but, like, she couldn't even hide the fact that she was dating the person who later became her husband, you know? Like, she, like, she had to hide all of her life, and she did become a lawyer. And, like, you know, that was, like, just get brighter like she she like that is i completely like i know i this was a lot of my friends went through growing up because we i grew up kids from all around the world and it's true it's like their families like it the only people who are okay with their kids becoming artists 
were like the ones who had gone through any sort of hippie awakening in this country or in other countries. I'm not kidding. Like, like I'm really not kidding. Cause like the thing is that like the baby boomers that we were both raised by, like they were the first generation who broke out and decided to just on in a large scale, like become like, you know, fuck capitalism. We're going to hitchhike and paint things and be naked. And like, so if they, if the parents went through that kind of a thing, they're okay with that. But it's like, I mean, like my mom did go through that and she still didn't like the fact that I didn't, I didn't like, you know, I didn't pursue like a, like a science degree. Like she thought I should have been like a biotechnician because I was good at science. And it's like, I didn't have a passion for it. I also, I think a lot of, you know, I think a lot of scientific practices are kind of questionable and like, yeah. I had like certain elements and I was just like, this isn't what I wanted to do. But it's like, I think that that's like people who feel like they struggled to create the life that they did for their children and have a vested interest in being a productive member of society on a stereotypical level, level get angry at their children disobeying that like belief system and doing their own thing basically across the board like that's across the board I think. it's 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 an act of rebellion i mean yeah. it can be seen for me as an act of rebellion the thing is i was i wasn't rebelling i was saying that I want to live the life that I want to live and this doesn't fit the life that I want to live. Um, in a sense though, I mean, not rebellion had, can have like a really strong purposes. You felt like it was suffocating you and you wanted to live your truth. That's rebellion at its core. Yeah, but it's, it's not where I'm not re- rebelling against who I am as a person. I still identify strongly by it. I have no problem if you know uh, being a part of a religious event i have no problem being a part of religious practice it doesn't bother me it's like to me it's weird i don't believe in it but yeah. i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go hate shaming it because it's just like yeah. well i don't think any i mean like i think okay i think it's wrong when parents oppress their children but I, like the religion oppresses people in terms of who they are but i also think that it's like <clears throat> This is complicated. I believe it, it is. It's very complicated. Yeah, it's just like yeah. a Rubik's cube. Exactly. I believe everybody should be able to believe what they want to believe. At the same time, it gets complicated when your beliefs for other people. It's kind of like what we're talking about in terms of freedom of speech, like a few weeks ago, where it's like, yes, you want everybody to be able to say what they want to say, but when somebody's speech becomes violence, how do you navigate that? And the same, I think, can be said for like beliefs in terms of like religious beliefs, with like you know, families, first yeah. generation first generation born children and stuff like that right where it's like, yeah exactly like like you know my dad was a first generation born child and like um he was always kind of you know like and i think there was less of that expectation because they were like leaving they were they were leaving during the world wars so it was a little bit less like oh you have to be successful because they were kind of like we're just getting the fuck away from europe because it's going insane and like that's what I think that was a little bit different, but like, I think that like when come here because they see the U S is like this land of opportunity and then they have a baby here and they're like, this baby is going to grow up and save the family. And that's how it kind of, how it's seen. It's like, they're going to like, you know, did you ever, did you see the movie everything everywhere all at once? This is no. about that. No, but, so about I, that. but, so, like, but you it. do make, you do make a great point because with my father, <laughs> My father came here to the U.S. in the early 1970s, and he came here at a very young age. He came here, I believe he was 13 or 14 years old, and he had to take care of his brother. 
he had to raise his brother here alone in this country for years. Uh, my father, his dream was family. Okay. He always wanted a family and with all of his fuckery and his outbursts and craziness and all the shenanigans and shit, his like, his like, like yearning to live was family. Um, and it's so important. Why is family so important with freedom of speech is because think about your family and not even blood relatives. I'm talking about friends that you're like your family, like the, the people that. Oh yeah. No, my chosen family is my family. Yeah. Yeah. And you want them to be heard because you care about them. You want them to have a voice. You want them to be respected, right? You understand that as a, as a, as a person. Yes. But you do understand when they cross a line and you care about them, right? So if they cross a line, you're going to tell them, hey, I don't think you should say that. Or, hey, maybe have you heard maybe like this approach that you could take? And you're you're not you're not taking somebody's somebody's rights away. You're educating the person as the problem that's hand exactly what we said on that episode. Yes. But when the belief reinforces the belief that certain people are inferior and certain people are superior, yes. then that person's not going to believe you when you say that what they're saying is wrong. They don't have to believe you. But they're not going to act in it because they're like, this is, you're oppressing me. You know, that's what these idiots think. No, I mean, offense actually to the, to the, uh, they, they can way. believe whatever they can <laughs> believe. But what I'm basically, what we're basically saying here is, is that we're telling you our opinions on this. I heard your opinion. So I'm going to tell you my opinion. Yes. And that's it. Like you have your opinion and I have mine. You can agree with mine. That's great. What do you do when you're a kid? This is a whole other, I mean, we're already, this is like, we're on a war one. I mean, this, this fucking shit can go for two hours. Who knows? I know. But like, what do you, what would you do? I was thinking this when you were saying that, like, what would you do? Like, say like, Saturn and I have a kid and like 20 years from now or like 20, you know, the kid's like teenager or whatever, or 20 something. And like, suddenly they're like into like, you know, whatever the current version of Trump is, what would we do? Like, how would you like, I mean, that would be crazy. I don't think it would happen, but like, what if it did? Like you would feel like you had to save them or change them. Right. Cause it's like, you should have them believe, but also like, it's such a destructive thing. It's like something you don't want to be, you wouldn't want it. Like, you want you would want to support that person as a person, but you would also not want to talk about it if you would talk about what your kids. Were doing. Think about it like, like this: think about the parents that had kids in the eighties, and they saw people dying from AIDS and all this shit, and they said, "You know what? We don't want these kids to grow up in a world with a president like Ronald Reagan ever again." And then George Bush Jr. comes along, and it like just makes Reagan look like he's the fucking Uncle Sam with a big ass smile. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Reagan stuff was worse in some ways though. Oh yeah, like, way worse. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, like, like George Bush wasn't that wasn't that bad. I'm sorry. I was just making a joke. So, he was, he was bad, bad, but he but he wasn't was that bad. Different. But yeah. Reagan was different. Reagan was a different like I feel like with Reagan, everybody and you can see this in how because like I was born, I guess during Reagan, how old am I? 
You said 83. You said 83. I'm 86. You're 86. Yeah, it's Reagan. So I was was still like born into the Reagan era. And like my half brother, who was like 11 years older than me, was a teenager during Reagan. So that's fucked up. He had some, he had some very negative experiences as a teenager raised by two fucking hippies. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And his mom was even more of a hippie than my, my mom was. And like, I mean, you know, my dad and his mom used to party. It's like how they got together. And like, uh, so like, <laughs> now he's in the military for a long time. I can't, I'm not going to say who he is because I feel like it would, you know. I, I feel like there's a but novel. A I feel like there's a novel written about this guy, but we don't know yet. I feel like there's a novel. Yeah, there well, is. I've been for a long time. He like kind of separated from the family. I think everyone was fucking nuts. And he was like, I'm done. I think it's like what you're talking about with holidays where you're like, I don't want to celebrate it. It's fine. I'm like, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And we're never like super close because we we're like kind of super given an age gap and we're just, neither one of us was very like emotionally like connected to each other. So I'm just sort of like, I'm glad he's alive. I can Google him. I wish him well. I hope he's happy. We'll probably never speak. But it's, it's, I mean, like, like the thing is like <laughs> our family. So that's the thing also is we're, and this kind of ties in with what we're talking about. I didn't choose to be Jewish. I was born into it. It, the same thing applies with if you're Islamic. If you're born in a Muslim home, you are Muslim. And why is this? Why is this such a problem? Because for a given example, like just for me, because I'm not religious, and because I have tattoos all over my arms, yeah. and I have piercings, and I fuck men, which I haven't done for quite some time, but <laughs> <laughs> I have basically told these people that raised me i i didn't mean to but that's how it comes off you all of you should go fuck yourself what you told me was bullshit you wasted your time you know and i get where they're coming from because they they spent their time teaching me all of these things and whatever but it's kind of also ties into the thing about balance it's where I didn't choose to be this, okay? My mom had me and she happened to be a part of it. And I I don't care what they fucking say anymore, but what I care about is, you know, like I've had conversations with my mom and like it's taken her, uh, you know, time to kind of turn around. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to live my life. Like that's what I've been telling my family for years. If she is beginning to understand, though, that's yeah. good. There's so many people. There's so many queer kids who come out. I'm not saying like, oh, don't be like upset or whatever, but like, because obviously you're entitled to your feelings. But like, six years though. So many, yeah, but there's so many people who never get that experience. I know, I know. And, like, and there's so many people who are raised by people who are just mentally unstable who don't get that experience for completely different reasons. Like the fact that you like it is. Not, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't hold her accountable for how she did hurt you or like feel sad because of that. But you should also, I feel like there should be some gratitude in the fact that you have this. It's in your 20s. You're not like 40 and like figuring it out with her. Then you're not like in your. You know, like this is you get to have most of your adulthood with at least having one parent that's in your corner, which I think is very important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also important. Like we were talking about um, friends at our family, <laughs> where. I know people that have mother, you know, like a a friend that is basically a mother to them. And 
have oh, friends tr- that I'm the mother. I have friends that I'm the mother too. <laughs> yeah, like and oh shit. <laughs> oh. And you um you you kind of you kind of like just kind of realize that like family is is made. Yeah, we do have family that's given to us, but sometimes we're just not meant to. That was something that was like you know I I understood that from a really young age. My family was fucking crazy, <laughs> and like you know, and I also I knew that like I knew that like the people that you experience that you, that could support you in your life that love you unconditionally that you go on adventures with that you date that you you know that you have whatever like those are the people that are truly in your life for long periods of time it's not necessarily what you're born with like if you're born with can be extremely destructive but you know if you believe in i don't know if you believe in some of the stuff that i in terms of just like reincarnation and stuff you choose your family before you're born you choose some of your experiences and so you understand that you have to go through certain experiences in order to come to the other side obviously becomes very conflicting when you think about things where people are being oppressed and other stuff. This is a whole other complex. I don't want to get onto this. No, but I mean, like, even, even in my, even in my chosen, but like, Hmm. even, even like with my chosen family, like I can see that with my sister, I can see why we're, we're brother and sister. I can see like also with my brother, Mac, like why we're brothers. The thing is like me and Mac, we're, we're not super close. But the thing about him, like, he's always been my older brother, and he's, like, always oh, had so my... Busy too. Hmm? He's so busy all the time, too. I know, but, like, <laughs> he still takes, like, the time to, like, care for me. You know, like, we try yeah. to, like, get in touch here and there, and um, I, I'm not... The truth is, like, I, I don't hate my chosen family. I don't. I'm, I I probably would have chose my chosen family, but I, I do believe in that. I do believe you, that you do you don't choose hate your biological family. No, no, you said you don't hate your chosen family. No, I I'm, I love I love both sides of my family. My yeah. chosen family are like the people, like you know, like I love them, like they're like my family. Um, I have my actual biological family, but like I love them, but at a distance. Cause you know, yeah. like literally, literally had a distance cause we live in different States yeah. and countries. Yeah. Which is the problem. Yeah. No, absolutely. I understand. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I, um, I have very little contact with my biological family because my mother's whole side is dead and my dad's side was pretty estranged, but I appreciate the times like my dad and I reconnected after not knowing each other for like eight years. And like, like, so I, when I read, I think it's 23 or 24 and like, it was not like a dramatic experience at all. I was a dog walker at the time and I had a dog that was on his walk and I was walking and I was like, that's my dad's old building. I wonder if he still lives there. I haven't talked to him in eight years. I wonder if he's still like, I wonder how he's doing. And one day it was raining and I was walking this fucking wet dog and I'm just like, and had to tell like rainy there. And, I'm just, and I see him and I'm just like, Hey dad. And he's like, he's like, what? I'm just like, Hey. <laughs> It's your daughter. And he's like, what? Really? And I'm just like, yeah, wait, how's it going? <laughs> exactly like what? <laughs> but this is like me. I'm like kind of awkward, but like awkward in like a funny way. And so I'm like, I don't know, but I'm also not like, oh my God. Cause I was like, I don't know. I feel like my parents 
my parents hated each other. I didn't really like get along with either of them that much. I couldn't wait to get the fuck out. I had no interest in staying there. I had no interest in really staying in contact with them that much either. Like, I mean, I did. And like when my mom died, like my aunt and I took care of her, um, you know, until she died. Like we took care of her in her last, you know, like, you know, cooking, feeding her and stuff. Like she was bedridden. And like, I still stay there because I am a, a very like loyal person. Um, but I didn't talk to her for a few years, you know, like much in the few years leading up to that period. Because I was like, every time I talked to her, I felt like it was like, uh, it was very like mommy dearest, if you're familiar with that concept. I get that. Cause like, for yeah. example, like I love my mom, um, but my mom can be, can be hard to deal with. And she doesn't mean it to be that way. She's just like, this just. That's just the way like she she can come off like strong and she like again like she doesn't mean to and i know that um but i know oh, that mom, like my mom enjoyed it my mom enjoyed watching other people squirm she enjoyed making other people extremely uncomfortable she enjoyed and she would just she would, she enjoyed mentally and emotionally just like shredding people that was like her thing she was also i'm not gonna say she was like a, entirely bad she also was a very inspiring teacher to the people that she taught and she had lots of all of her friends had like a superficial like a love for her because it was like a superficial connection. Like to her family, she was the monster. To everybody that she was friends with, she was like inspiring and funny and creative and like, you know, everyone thought she was brilliant. And it was something like I remember my dad went after like you know, we connected. I think she might have been had died at this point or something, or like and like he was like, Oh, is your mom still alive? Okay, I don't really want to talk to her. Don't tell I don't want to talk to her. I was like, Okay, well, we'll you can be friends. Like and he said something like she had like the two facedness of a serial killer. And I remember that stuck with me because I was like, this was kind of like before I got like the like, true crime. And now I'm like, I see it. I totally see it. Cause it's like, it was like, you have this person who has this external personality, like, you know, like John Wayne Dixie, for example, he was involved in politics. He had his own construction company. He had like, you know, like all these things, like he had this uh, a team of people that loved him. And at the, you know, and behind closed doors, he was like, killing and, and raping little boys. Like, it's like, that's like that kind of, but like in the same way, I'm not saying that she was bad like that. She was not sexually abusive at all, but she was extremely mentally, emotionally and somewhat physically abusive. Lots of shit thrown, lots of cops called, just craziness, fucking craziness. Like, um, I haven't seen this kind of thing represented in the media really, which is why I'm writing a book about this experience because I'm like, I want, I don't know. There's other people who experience my shit, but most of them are not writing novels. Like, you know, like I mean, like I, I can, <clears throat> I mean, like in a way, I could relate. I mean, I I never had anything too extreme. I mean, my dad, um, my dad was was mentally abusive, also physically abusive as a kid, and um, he used to like he used to bottle up his emotions. This was the thing about my dad, and um, he used to come home just angry. And if you ticked them off just a bit, dear Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. Yes. And he had this just roaring anger. Yes. Um, but the thing is, like, my that was the thing also, too, like, to the outside world, my dad was this wonderful person. And my dad could be wonderful. Like, he was, you know, he was very inspirational. He could teach you things. Um, but at the same time, he could be. I don't even want to use the word because sometimes be such a he could be just such a monster. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's and that's that that upbringing is kind of how my mother and my aunt were raised. Like they are, they were like. So my dad was like child of immigrants, like you know, Yugoslavian and German. My mother's side was all Irish, and Irish Catholic people were like they were like quiet, quiet crazy. <laughs> like they were like. <laughs> like because it's like they were like um they were very much irish catholic community south side of chicago like father you know the, their dad was a lawyer and he was like a pretty high level political lawyer and the mother was like you know think like a joan and mad men kind of vibe back when women didn't work and like so like they were both like pretty heavy hitters and in, in like they're of their generation but they also like were both like daily blackout drunk alcoholics who used to beat the living shit out of my mom and my aunt so that's the thing that she was coming from and being a fucking psycho to me and my dad. And like, so I have a lot of sympathy too, because I'm like, you know, unless you undo that damage and she only did ask it a couple of times. So she never really went down the rabbit hole, but like, you know, she didn't like ever find a sense of healing. She just found stuff. And so she became a hoarder who, you know, and like, she never gave up her negative, like she stopped drinking and stuff, but she, you know, chain smoked until the day she died. And it pushed people away because it's extremely, you know, and it also like, it was really damaging on her health. And like, she just never undid the damage that we're talking about undoing in terms of like reimagining and recreating things. So she just filled the void with stuff and with people who are like these sycophants and yes men. And like, unless you like, you, I think you can come from like any background, as long as you understand the damaged things that you experience are not things that you can, keep bringing with you as you go on in your life like i think whatever your background is you can be whoever you want and need to be for yourself and for the people around you in terms of like growing into something positive but you just have to like see what is negative and see what needs to be left outside the door and never pick back up one thing i always remember from my dad was uh, my dad was very my dad was very against college he uh, he always used to tell me, he's like, you're not going to waste your money on college. I'm not going to see you. I was very against college. And he always told me, he said, I know that you're going to be successful if you have your own business. And he and believed in that. Him. He believed in that. He believed in that. And I've since he's been dead, like the, it's unfortunate this is what happens, but I just been focusing on the positive, like the, the things that I do remember. Yeah. And there's the dark shit, but you know, but if I need to remember him, I have the other stuff to rely on. Yes. I know that sounds probably. No, I think that's very, I think that's very positive. I mean, like I, you know, I had lots of positive experiences with my mother as well, even though I understand that she's a very destructive human being in a lot of ways. Like there are definitely positives. Um, a lot of my exposure to like, you know, art, certain like art and music and like, like I, when my parents, you know, when I was like 13 or 14, uh, one of the many times I got picked up from my mom's house, lived with my dad for a while. And like, I remember thinking like, I, when I lived with his house, I had some like, he's called Spike Club House. He looked like a house and bike club, and like he had <laughs> overdrive. So I mean, he couldn't afford like a, a new bed for me. So he just took his mattress and he sawed it in half. And so he built me a little piece of carpenter. He built a bed platform, put the half mattress in the bed platform. And I just remember like, and I, my my bedroom was his pool room, 
it was, but it was fun because I was also like, he actually like, you know, rather than taking any money I ever made, he would give me money, like, you know, not a lot, but like, he'd be like, oh, here's like five bucks for the next couple of days. Or, you know, oh, do you need like something? You're like, are you going to need to get lunch or something? My mother was always just like, had no money. And so like, or if she had any, she was like, you know, it was just spending a shit she was. Um, or like shit she thought that I needed and not like lunch money, like I need to get food. <laughs> like, but like, like sometimes not exclusively, but you know what I'm saying? Like he was much more generous and he was also like much more uh, lenient. And so I loved living with him because it was, I had like the freedom that I didn't have at her house to just be and do whatever. He didn't give a shit as long as I wasn't getting into trouble. He really didn't care what I did. And he, he like liked what I did. You know, he encouraged me to do my homework and stuff, but he was not a micromanaging parent whatsoever. He was like, you know, he was dealing with his own demons and stuff. But the thing is, he drink, he doesn't drink anymore. But like at the time he would drink, he would drink sometimes, but he would not be the nicest person. And, but like, so, and it was, it was hard to man- navigate that. I have this freedom here. But then with my mother's house, the other thing is he was very like, <clears throat> he didn't really push you very hard to be successful. Whereas my mother was like, you know, used me as a thing to show off all the time because I'm smart and pretty and, and good artists and stuff and had this like fucking crazy like cyberpunk weirdo but you know so like i was like a creative interesting kid that she was like i can show you off to people and so like it was like bad in a lot of ways but in the other ways i was exposed to so much living with her and i was sort of like if i live with my dad i get the and i get like this sort of you know i get to kind of be myself but if i live with my mom it's more negative but i also know i'm, I'm like kind of getting a better no, there's no, um, there's no perfect solution. The thing that I realized was, especially after I left my parents' house and I've been hopping and bopping around, you know, from country to coast, I was craving for a home for so yeah. fucking long. And I finally came down here to Florida and I've been, I've been doing great. You know, I've been here for a year and I, I don't have any plans of leaving here anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but you know, like the thing is, is like with every single place you go to every decision that you make, you're giving up something that could benefit you and replace for something else that can benefit you. So exactly. it's a double-edged sword. But the question is, is that, okay, which side do you want to be stabbed with? I know, it's tricky. Well, some stuff happened, and I ended up living with my mom for the rest of like high school and stuff. And uh, well, after like, well, I was back and forth. I was like around afterwards, mm-hmm. but like, but like, I didn't have like I like got my first apartment at nineteen, you know, and like, like, but I did decide to just kind of suck it up because I was like. The drinking was a problem with my dad's house, but then also like, but again, so we're friends now. We're like, we enjoy each other's company. Like, we don't see each other much, but like, we'll send a few texts every, you know, a few texts a few times a year, and sometimes we get coffee from each other or whatever. It's not like we're not like we're not like oh family, but we're like you're cool, like you're a cool person. I'm glad, I'm glad that I came from you. It's nice, (laughs) you know, like your paintings, like you know, but like we're both painters, so so like you know, share each other's work and stuff, but like. You know, it's like that felt like the more inconsistent and both relaxed, but also sometimes a little frightening when there was other, you know, boozy stuff involved. It, it's funny because like with my, my mom, I was like, she didn't drink. She was fucking 
an asshole, but she she never drank and she never and she didn't even she started smoking weed again because she loved weed. Which like she smoked weed around I was like in my twenties, but I was like I don't care. Like, <laughs> when she did this when we were a teenager, even less than an asshole. Like, but like, <laughs> but like, <clears throat> you know, she, it was like being with somebody who had like not an altered state of mind. I think was necessary at the time because hey. yeah. It, it just really like remind me because like with my mom, my mom wanted me to me to pursue my uh, creative talents. <clears throat> she was very against me p- doing uh, playing music. Um, I wasn't allowed to play instruments when I was a kid, and um, so like I did pursue my art and I got better with my art over time. And unfortunately, I haven't really had that much time to do my art, but. I've also taken the time to also be able to play guitar. And one thing like, you know, like I'm just realizing as an adult now is where we have so much more freedom than we realize because like we spent so long being controlled as if like we were in cages, Mm -hmm. but that, that unfortunately is life. We unfortunately not all parents are perfect. A lot of parents make mistakes and what can we take from the experiences? Sometimes, unfortunately our parents give us when we are in our, our adult life. Totally. And when you remind you, you do something or you're an asshole in the same way that your parent was, you're like, Oh, I need to not do that. Like, but you can also be like, what did they positively give you? Like, I had, I had, in some ways I had a great childhood because I was able to explore creativity in a way that a lot of people I knew were not, you know, or I wasn't like locked up. Like my partner was like literally locked up, like, like literally in like group homes and stuff. Like I could have been so much worse and I'm very grateful for how I grew up. I'm also going to, you know, at least mention the, the negative as, as well as the positive, but it's like, you know, I was, ex- like I said, I was exposed to like art and culture and allowed to pursue art and subculture and stuff in a way that like very few of my friends were allowed to. That's because my parents were all freaks. So like they didn't, they knew it was like normal and they didn't think, they weren't like, oh, oh no, you're like a Satan worshiper. They were like, oh, whatever. Yeah, like you have it in some of his like book. Like he's <laughs> kind of full of shit. And I was like, oh yeah, he kind of hurts actually. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, there were lots of positives as well. I got to be free. I mean, I'll send you pictures <laughs> of what I used to look like in high school. And you'll be like, yeah, that's what I, you can share me pictures uh i will not show you pictures of what i look like in high school um those are under lock and key and will stay that way i have to swallow the key i will swallow the key i wish i had more pictures from high school because i wish we had disposable cameras back then this is before disposable cameras much less camera phones i didn't have my first phone until i was like 19 or 20 but I also didn't have a disposable camera until I was like 17. And then it was super shitty. And um, I don't know what happened to most of them. I have had shit. So I, remember disposable, I remember disposable cameras. Well, we used to take That's them on, on all of our field trips. To take disposable. Disposable. I, meant, I meant the point shoot. Point shoots. I didn't. Um, no, I didn't have a point and shoot. I mean, I know that my dad had a Polaroid when I was a kid. Um, but that thing was broken. They're uh, so super expensive, like the film. 
Yeah, I mean, like we have like a we have like a few '90s Polaroids like lying around, but it's just like it's it's still hard because like especially when it comes to holidays and all of these kind of things, it's just to me holidays meant chaos. Okay, like. Just to, to to give this an idea, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm being very open right now. Unfortunately, at least the marijuana, this is what it does to your brain. Um, <laughs> and it's the holidays, so it's a weird, you know, it can put you in a weird space, contemplative space. There's just a major holiday. That's I mean, like happens. for me, it was my parents used to fight every single do like every holiday, like literally, like before the holiday was going to start in the evening, they were fighting. And it was just pure chaos every single yeah. year. And I hated it. I hated it horribly. Um, and I realized, like, I this was, like, a thing that like, I realized, like, through therapy. Like, I had, like, that, you know, like, that, like, wake-up moment. I was like, oh, my God. And giggity. Uh, and that was, like, the moment. So, I yeah. really... Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like, really, um, it's really, it's really hard to like find the pros because like, you just like, you know, put the label on there, like, you know, in bold letters, you know, like denied. Um, but you have to like be able to like kind of look beneath it and you got to be able to find the pros because otherwise if you just focus on, on the cons, it's, it's, <laughs> I one year Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, my dad threw the computer that we'd only had like two months out the window, along with all the other major electronics. So, you know, I never really had it much. Uh, I never felt personally connected to an electronic after that. Um, we didn't, we weren't even able to afford another one for like two or three years. So there's that. Uh, one time my parents, yeah, my mother used to stay up all night like uh, and cook shit and stuff the night before. Which it's funny because as an adult who loves pulling all nighters myself, I'm like, dude, this was a choice. You did not have to stay up all night cooking. You could have just gotten up at six in the morning like a regular person and cooked all. There's no reason you did this. You did this to yourself. Like I do this to myself, but I love doing it. Like I do this out of pleasure. I can't say this to her because she's dead, and if she wasn't dead, I could still couldn't say it to her because she would have jumped on my throat. <laughs> but like, you know, there like she would like, and then my aunt would come over. My aunt like helped support my mom during the last like several years of her life. So like. My mom died in like forty thousand dollars debt to my aunt, and like, and like, um, but she would just my mom, my mom was just always talking. My aunt was like, a huge phony, so she would just like berate her, and then she'd berate me. Like unless we had a guest there, if we had a guest that was not part of the family, it was totally fine. But if we had like anybody who was considered a family, even like close friends, it was like it was just like a fucking nightmare. One year, yeah, one year my dad took the Christmas tree and he rolled it up into a um rug and then sat on it. So, so you're gonna you're gonna love this. Um, my <laughs> my grand my grandfather, God bless his soul. He's uh he's in his nineties. Uh, he and my father did not get along, uh, very well. And there was an incident at a wedding at one of my relatives where I was with my father at the time, and he went and sat down, and he sat into like the wrong seating because we know it was a range sitting and my grandfather was sitting there and he was telling him oh you can't sit here you can't sit here so my father misunderstood what he was saying 
my father thought he was telling him he can't sit at the t- at the family table. He has to sit, you know, with the guest. But my grandfather was just telling him was that they were just sitting there because they had to sit down just for a bit and they were going to go to the family table. But my dad just lost it. And then my grandfather threw a plate at my father. And he used that story. Oh, my God. So many times. And even my siblings asked me, I was like, I was there. Okay, it was a misunderstanding. My father lost his shit when he shouldn't have. And like, I wasn't allowed to say that. I, I was yeah. forbidden to say that. Like, why? Yeah, because... I mean, like, you couldn't call, like, you couldn't call my mother out on anything. Like, for, if you ever tried to bring up her behavior, it just became this like never-ending guilt trip of like God. how you're ungrateful and how you're a worthless piece of shit and how she like for me and like how you know like she shouldn't have had me and how like I was you know like all this, it just goes into it snowballs into all the like destructive things that parents say I just kind of like I mean honestly I didn't really like her so like I feel like a lot of kids get hurt a lot more when they like want their parents love and affection I was sort of like I think this person is kind of a creep I don't really want to hang out with them if they don't like me that's okay like I don't want their approval because I don't really like who this person is but um yeah, I mean, so, I mean, so I think I, I would have enjoyed it if we'd gotten along better, but whenever she was really nice, it made me uncomfortable because I felt like she was just going to, like, twist it again somehow. But I understand that kind of thing. There's lots of, there are lots of things thrown. There wasn't beating. Well, that comes from, well, I mean, that comes from mental abuse. When you're, you're okay. mentally abused from a young age where a parent is constantly uh, traumatizing you, yeah. you develop, um, See, the problem, like, for me was, is in, like, I've had this conversation with my brother before. My siblings had each other when they were growing up to, fall, you know, fall back on. I didn't have that. I grew up alone. My yeah. sister, you know, we, we've talked about this, and I forgive her, but I grew up as a kid with my sister. Like, she, we used to travel there, and, and I used to be able to see her. And then she didn't even fucking tell me. She just calls us up on the same day. She's like, oh, I'm moving to Israel. I was 10 years old. Okay. Yeah. And that was it. I had no more family. I had no more family here. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was alone. I just had my, my parents and my father didn't allow me near my, my mom's parents because he claimed that they didn't, they disowned him because again, my dad was dark skin. My mom's yeah. is, is, you know, a Hungarian and also, um, a Polish descent. So it was just, I, I just like had no like connections family. And then like to make things even worse, my father didn't even teach me French, like the native tongue. He never taught any of us. So I couldn't even talk to my family overseas because we didn't speak the same language. And okay. these are all things that have eaten me alive since he's passed away. And the only way I can fix them is I got to do it myself. I mean, like my mom didn't let me play instruments and I yeah. learned guitar, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to do the things that I couldn't have, I couldn't do then. Remember we said this before, it's like, it's not permanent. It's temporary. And you know, and that's how you heal the inner child, right? It's by yes. like giving them things that they wanted and needed then. I mean, I make and sell rat pillows. Yes. On Etsy. We'll put the link below. Don't worry. We'll put we'll put the link below. 
felt rat pillows and I and they're they're designed to be little comfort animals because they're just these great little things. They help with stress and anxiety and they're just really fun. You know, but it's like I I like I, I like this is to me this is very therapeutic. I mean, unless I'm like under a deadline that there's a bunch of them and then it's stressful. But like making them is something I just really enjoy doing. It, because it makes me very happy, but also because it's like my mother taught me to sew. I, I learned to sew at six years old. I've been sewing for 30 years, literally, literally 30 years. <laughs> and so it's like, I love it. And that was something that was always very pleasant and very, very beautiful. And like, you know, we would watch old, like, you know, I grew up watching like old Hitchcock movies and like, you know, classic movies and stuff and shit that you bought at the Woolworths back when that was still a store. And then I would go home and I would sew guinea piggers and fucking whatever like weird animals and stuff. I thought it was, it was like the best time, especially like in the summertime when windows are open to them. Really easy. And they used to crochet. Right. Yeah. I so this, but it's like, that's positive. That was a positive thing. That was one of her teaching me. So at six years old was one of the best gifts I could have gotten. Cause I have, I have such a, and my dad teaching me to build when I was like eight, like my parents taught me wonderful things. You know, I'm not, I'm very grateful for those things because those things have been, have become the staples of my adult life, like literally building and sewing. Those are the two things, like even more so than writing the thing that I actually have a degree in, like, and that everyone was like, Oh, you're such a good, you know, but like the other two things that I learned at a very, very young age, the things that have literally given me my path and or like helped me illuminate my path in life. And like, I'm extremely grateful for that. And like, that's not something I need to get with every parent. And like, I think that that's a, you know, how do you, how do you remember that your family or whatever is negative is you look at the things that they did teach you that are beautiful. And yeah. they think- I mean, my mom, my mom taught me how to, uh, mom taught me how to sew. Um, my dad taught me how to cook. Uh, yeah. I mean, like my, my parents, my, my parents did teach me a lot of things that I use now. And, um, you know, we, 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 we gotta be grateful for the little things because there's a lot of things that trust me, we, we do as adults, we don't realize that's what our parents, <laughs> that's what our parents did. I grew up, my mom was obsessed with like, she was, you know, she was like collector then eventually hoarder. She used to collect a lot of antique stuff and her favorite era was like art deco and art nouveau. So I grew up with like, every print of banana leaf. And as an adult, I paint banana leaves. I get paid to paint banana leaves for people's businesses and homes. Like this is something that like, again, I was just, I was raised by this stuff and I think it's beautiful. And so I incorporate them into my painting because there's something that like, you know, they're, they're, those are the positive times when we would go shopping and fishing together or like go to the fabric store where there's this place called Vogue Fabrics that was in the town just above Chicago, Evanston. And we would just go and it was just like a fucking like entire block long of fabric. And it was sort of like the first time I went to the fabric district, I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of Vogue Fabric, except it's like on steroids. It's so cool. And like, you know, so there's like lots of things that were like these beautiful little moments. And there was so much fucking chaos and negativity, but I don't forget the little moments. And the little moments, whether or not I talk about them all the time or like think about them all the time. They have literally been the things that helped me build my own life. And so like, I'm great. I'm grateful for that stuff. It doesn't undo the bad parts. It's bad parts. And you can love the good parts and still not like, you know, and still not, not embrace the bad parts. Or not like the bad parts. It's all about you. It's all about using the tool properly. Yeah. Gotta make sure you read the user manual. That's in English, not in Espanol. 
Um, Jesus, we've been, we've been on this wall trip for, uh, yeah, it's time, time for me to go make some rat pillows until I go to sleep at like four in the morning. Or yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm passing out. It's like, well, it's like about, about 2 a.m. over here. Um, yeah. but this has been peace of mind, Eli and the rat pillows. my room is full of so these are all ones that are just our personal ones this is what we sleep literally there's like there's one more than so much of these but but these are like the ones that we sleep with every night we just like get into bed and like Mm -hmm. usually for me and i'll just get working on something and so like usually like it'll just be staring like completely passed out and like even fall into bed and like navigate over a pile of like these fucking rat pillows and like Be sure, be, be sure to check out Underland Creations. We'll leave a link below. Well, actually, the Etsy shop is Underland Creations LA because um, I had to do so. Because apparently there's other Underland Creations on Etsy, even though I am the only person who owns the legal, the LLC of it. I am the only one who owns that business name. But apparently there's other Underland Creations on Etsy that are like probably just not legal businesses or whatever. And so it's Underland Creations LA. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put that below. um yes it's gonna be fun really funny things too they all have very like poetic names that i'm very proud of and they're squishy and they are stress relievers yeah at some point yes we need need one for twix we gotta get her a little like that size these are the pin cushions i make tiny people love these ones these are only 15 dollars and like these are just little pen cushions. I use them all the time. Every time I stop. What's in? Is that yes. also cotton? It's cotton. I'm gonna put some steel wool inside of them because you're supposed to have some pointy like that sharpens the needle. So these ones, this was just my flagship version of them. But like, I also I changed the design a little bit because I mean, I'll also at some point when this when because I sell them, but like when I sell out more consistently i'm gonna to have to like start using a sewing machine not doing all of them by hand because it's just too much you, you sew them all by now, hand yes as of now all of them are sewn entirely by hand exclusively also all of the clothes i design are also completely hand sewn by me honey you need to get a sewing machine i have a sewing machine it's right there but it's not like using it i like this i this is relaxing sewing machines are annoying and it feels like a job i can do this and put on like you know I just watched Aquarius with David Duchovny, who was one of my very first crushes. And um, he's hot when he's like 60. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, love this. Fuck it. I love it. <laughs> I think it's going to be such a fucking like. like yes. Um, unapologetic, like sex maniac. Like, I love that. I, I think when I, when I was like, like 12, and I was like, that's what I like. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody. I well, can't watch the show. I'm still on the sewing machine. Anyway. The lesson we all learned right. from this is that you should grab your needles and sew. What, and the ma- never going to not be hot. Yeah, but make sure you clean your needles, okay, before you use them. Why? It was a joke. Oh, yeah. 
I stab myself, myself all the time. All my hands hurt. My, my, all my fingers hurt right now. I've got a bunch of shit. All of them, most of them. So we can get off of here. You, okay. So mess. We, we definitely. Oh, God. Anyway, so we'll see y'all on the next episode of Peace of Mind. Stay tuned for the Brad Pillows.